0: If you're looking for a place to hang out, figure out where you can take the next step in your dairy farming business, then you're in the right spot. Welcome to the High Performance Herd Podcast. Here we will inform you what you can do today to future-proof your business for tomorrow. A big thanks to our sponsors from Terra, IDEX, Kuru Diagnostics, Tasherd, Tasmanian Dairy Trust, Zoetis, NHIA, Datamars. I'm your host, Andrew Savage. Enjoy this episode of the High Performance Herd podcast wherever you may be listening. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode and jump on our Facebook group, the High Performance Herd Project. Today in the High Performance Herd studio, I have Rhys McKinley and Alison Digny from Kuru Diagnostics to discuss the management of mastitis. Reese is the CEO and Alison is Kuru's technical sales lead in Australia. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Thanks Andrew.
1: Andrew.
0: Reese featured in episode five where he talked about Kuru Diagnostics and the Staff Gold Test. If you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. Most of us are familiar with clinical mastitis, and farmers regularly see and treat it. However, subclinical mastitis is the greatest contributor to financial losses in the dairy industry globally. Alison, can you just explain what subclinical mastitis is?
1: Andrew, subclinical mastitis is an infection of the mammary gland or udder of the cow. It doesn't have any visible appearances, and it doesn't lead to massive changes in the milk. Generally, what's happening is that the the infection itself is in the udder and it's going to affect the milk quality um, in somatic cell counts. So generally what you'll see is farmers will get an increasing bulk tank cell count test and that will be their first indication that there's a problem. So when we're looking at clinical mastitis, clinical mastitis for each cow that you find, the literature suggests that you can have anywhere between 12 and 40 subclinical infections on your farm. So it can be a significant problem and contributed to loss on farm.
0: Yeah, that's really quite significant, isn't it? And I guess, so what are the main causes of subclinical mastitis?
1: So there's a lot of different causes of subclinical mastitis. The most common one that's a contagious pathogen is Staphylococcus Staphylococcus aureus. Um, or staph, as it's called commonly. Um, It's a leading cause of milk loss and production loss, and it can cause irreversible damage to the udder or teat um, if left unmanaged. Animals that have it don't necessarily shed it evenly, so you don't see it in every milk. So it's hard to detect. And what's worse is it's very difficult to cure, so cure rates are quite low for it. So, really, what you want to do is minimize the spread or the impact of this bacteria on your farm.
0: So, yeah, obviously, it's hard to find and it's very hard to say as well. Um, (laughs) I I just wonder, you know, how how do you go about actually testing for Staph aureus? (laughs) Here I go as well. Reese, I'd be keen to know, yeah, what what do you think about the best way to test for Staph aureus is?
2: Well, there's a few different methods for testing for Staph, but the most Uh, accurate and cost-effective way of doing it is is through our Staph gold Elisa test so it's a it's a lab-based test that detects Staph aureus antibodies uh, and it's run on on either herd test milk samples if you do herd testing or composite samples from individual cows Um, so you can ask your herd tester for for more information on that yeah that's great and what's so special at or different about
0: the Staph Gold test in particular? Why should farmers use it?
2: Well, the Staph Gold test is different because it doesn't detect Staph aureus pathogens, the bacteria. It it detects the animal's immune response to those bacteria. So that's what's the most accurate test for picking up Staph positive cows, uh, whether they're shedding the pathogen or not. Um, So it helps farmers pick up um, subclinical Staph cases And it just uh, uses existing herd test samples. So there's no extra work required for the farmer. And with SAF Gold results, particularly over multiple time points, you end up with a much clearer picture of uh, the prevalence of staph in in your herd. And majority of staph cases are also subclinical, vast majority. So screening high cell count cows or even entire herds is a good way to determine what you're dealing with. And the key to, to minimising the harm or the impact of staff on farm is picking up those subclinical cows early so you can take action and, and stop the spread. Wow, well,
0: sounds like uh, really powerful information to have. And, and how and when can I actually get this test done, Alison? This might be something you can answer.
1: So once again, we mentioned when you're looking at those cell count things, but what we want to do is really maximize herd health. So everyone should be looking at their active herd health management. And they wanna look at what program they wanna do in collaboration with their vets, right? This isn't about just randomly choosing points. And so it's really important for you to understand what the overall program that you're trying to achieve on your farm. So with the high performance um, focused farm, what we did was took a conservative approach and a risk-based approach by adding in the normal herd screening and selecting cows that had high cell counts above 200,000 counts per mil. Um, And we tested each of those cows that had those high somatic cell counts and looked at whether they had that staph infection using this technology.
0: Yeah, it seems like a, a good approach. And when we tested those cows over two hundred thousand, we had ninety six uh, cows in that bracket, and those ninety six cows are the ones that we went on to test for staff with the staff gold test. Is that number typical? Ninety seven out of or ninety six cows out of nearly a thousand? Yeah, or well, it's about nine hundred fifty cows. So is that is that what you're seeing out there as far as you know those cows above that threshold? Is that about right?
2: Well, 96 cows out of 950 is actually a pretty good number. Uh, It's certainly lower than we would expect. Uh, Most herds we've been testing sit around 15 to 20% of the whole herd having that elevated cell count. So obviously there can be quite a few contributing factors to individual animal cell count, but if your percentage is around the 10% mark or lower, you're you're doing something right in minimising those risk factors uh, to bacterial infection.
0: Yeah, that's well. They're obviously doing something really well on the high performance herd farm. And this is the first time information on subclinical Staph aureus is available to the farmer. Um, what does having this information really mean?
2: Well, it means that the, the farmers have a heads up now on uh, which are their Staph positive cows so they can actually do something about it. They can take action now to stop those cows spreading Staph to other cows in the herd. Um, so doing that, again, will, will minimise um, potential milk production loss and impact on uh, bulk milk cell count and herd health. Um, obviously, if you do that well, there are other benefits down the line with respect to quality bonuses, etc. And at today's milk prices as well, there's, uh, this is really something farmers should be focusing on. Um, in, a, in a trial we ran in New Zealand, we quantified production loss in high cell count cows over a single season, and one of our trial farms missed out on producing $100,000 worth of milk in a a herd of 1,100 cows. So it's a significant, um, I guess, threat to production um, in not proactively managing uh, this pathogen.
0: Yeah, 100K, it's a lot of extra income, and I guess when we're looking at sustainability and getting more milk from the same or less cows, it's, it's really, really important. So for the focus farm in particular, what would be the next steps? Uh, they have 57 positive cows out of those 96. So what's the next step um, for these 57 positives and, and suspect positive animals?
2: Well, first, I just wanted to highlight that this farm actually has pretty good uh, bulk milk cell counts of about 120 000 to 130,000, I believe. And as we mentioned, only 10% of the herd actually had elevated cell count above 200,000, which is, which is very good. Um, but there is still quite a high incidence of Staph aureus uh, infection on the farm. And without having done that Staph gold screen, uh, most farmers would be happy with having just a 10% elevated cell count um, population within their herd and, and just be none the wiser. Um, I would bet that most farmers would want to know in that context if they actually had more than 50 uh, staff positive animals uh, they would want to know that right away so having that information now is really valuable really useful um, in terms of the rest of this lactation how they can manage those cows.
1: So if we talk about what we're trying to achieve we identify some positive animals and These animals have a contagious pathogen. It's a bacteria, it's a common one, it's found on humans. And what we're trying to do is stop the spread from the infected animals to the healthy animals. So this is really about managing it and being able to still get your milk production throughout this lactating season. So I wanna look at how we can take the cows and separate them during the milking process. So obviously we could separate the herds entirely and have an infected herd and an uninfected herd and that would make it easy. But there's other things that we can do. We can mark them, we can use RFID tags, um, we can use tail paint and things like that. But once again, what we want to be able to do is know each of the infected animals in the herd and make sure that the way that we're milking them, that their milk does not come in contact with the healthy cows. So we want to implement on a farm a strategy that works with the milking setup on that farm and takes into account the number of cows. So obviously, when it's a small portion of a very large herd, separating the herds probably into a smaller herd of infected and uninfected is not going to be a suitable way of approaching it. But what we could do is looking at having dedicated, say, instruments, clusters for milking those infected animals so that only infected animals are using that equipment. But we also need to remember that there's a chance that what we believe is a healthy cow may have come become infected during the season. And so we want to treat every animal as if it's infected and follow improved milking practice in the milking shed. So what does that mean? It means that we want to flush our clusters. We can do this manually, we can do it automated. We've got to look at what equipment we have available. This isn't about changing the entire operation or adding cost. It's about better milking practice on the farm. Um, we can look at training staff or up training staff on better hygiene, teat handling, teat disinfectants. You know the use of gloves. You know best practice. A lot of this information is available through, um, you know, Dairy Australia, Dairy NZ, and it's really important that we understand that this is a contagious pathogen, right? So it is going to spread. It's not only spread by milk to milk, like milk to teat contact. There are other things that we can consider, such as environmental things like flies, um, bedding and stuff like that. But most of the spread that we're going to see on a farm is going to be from milk coming into contact with healthy udders, infecting new animals. So... We need to make sure over the season that the status doesn't change of an animal. A clearly healthy animal can get infected at any time without anyone being to blame for it. So then we need to really go in and say, okay, we want to detect these new infections as early as possible. So continue screening, continue doing your herd tests. If you have increases in somatic cell counts in those healthy animals, get them tested, make sure that they're not staff positive. And then we move on to once the season is coming towards a draw, is looking at which animals need treatment with selective dry cow therapy, right? Working with your vet on the management and eradication of it involves a treatment at the right time.
0: That, yeah, that's that's really cool. And I think, you know, from what you're saying, a lot of systemic approaches there, it's, it's, it's a multi-pronged, Um, Thing to try and get on top of. I actually did a post in the high performance herd group just this week around flies, and there were some pretty interesting, innovative ways that people are using teat sprayers and things like that to actually apply drench to cows as they walk out. So, you know, there's little tips and tricks um, on all little aspects, staff training, that type of thing that sound like they can all help prevent the spread. And can farmers um, just treat positive cows like they do with clinical mastitis, given that they're subclinical? What do you think about that, Reese?
2: Well, it's, it's pretty well known that the most effective treatment for Staph aureus is dry cow therapy, but there are lots of factors that can come into play on, and, and affect how well dry cow works. Um, so we would just recommend that farmers work closely with their vets to determine the most appropriate treatment plan for their situation. And uh, you know, Staph Gold results are very useful to have in that context in making those decisions.
0: I'm really curious also, we drew the line at 200,000, but are we possibly missing cows when we only test above that 200,000 cell count mark?
1: So it's absolutely possible that we could be missing some. Um, Our validation studies show that you're going to detect a majority of infected animals, but there is a potential that you will have some infections without having a significant change in somatic cell count. Um, but, you know, it comes down to the economics of this, right? You want a good balance between the cost of testing and detecting the positive animals. And so this is an approach that we took with a high-performance herd. Um, but it really depends on your strategy and your management as to how you want to approach this. So if you want to be more aggressive, you could test the entire herd because it's, once it's there, it's going to spread
0: That's right, and it sounds like you're really just taking a snapshot of that current second, and it's sort of um, what you're saying, there's a lot of transition going on. And if we go to the sort of, I guess, the start or end and start of the season around dry cow and dry cow therapy and and subclinical staff, how how do I know if my dry cow treatment has actually worked?
1: So with treatment, um, you're going to remove the bacteria So it's no longer gonna be causing a problem. So that means that the antibody levels that are circulating are gonna drop and no longer be able to be detected with the Staph Gold test. So remembering we're only detecting the antibodies. So we know if there's an active infection, that's what the test is testing for. So if an animal tests positive after treatment, so we have a, a withholding period of that testing of sort of 30 to 60 days. After that period, if they test positive, it's likely that they have an ongoing infection, which means that the treatment that you've opted for hasn't worked.
0: Right, and that's a yeah, real bugbear with staff, isn't it? Not all cows can be cured. And how how is this test? Are you finding being um, you know helped help helping farmers make decision around dry cow in particular and culling reese?
2: Well, if you screen all your high cell count cows at each herd test and milk them last, so you're proactively managing them, by the end of the lactation, you actually have a really clear view on your staff cows and uh, you will have minimized the spread through your, through your herd. And so um, dry cow therapy at, uh, at the end of that season only needs to be administered where it's necessary, but you've got good visibility on the staff status of your herd at that point. And at the start of the new lactation, those cows can be retested to determine whether the dry cows just been has been successful, as Alison just mentioned. And and if they still have staph, then you've got chronically infected, therapy resistant cows that could continue to be milked, uh, milked last, sorry, um, throughout the next season and then replaced. And so testing the whole herd prior to dry off. Might also help you identify additional animals uh, that would benefit from selective dry cow therapy to to improve your starting position uh, at the of the herd. I suppose at the beginning of the next season.
0: Yeah, that's really cool advice. It's not all doom and gloom for um, that cow who is positive. Yeah, there are ways to manage it and still uh, get income from that cow for the season, which was really really cool. And what, what else can farmers do, Alison?
1: So. Every situation is different, right? Um, and understanding the status of your herd is the first step to managing the problems. So working with your vets, um, you can see what, what you can do on farm as far as treatment of the infections. But there's a lot of great resources available to the industry, both in Australia and New Zealand. So Dairy Australia has a cups on, cups on, cups off, Training, which is a practical hands-on session that they offer free throughout Australia. Um, they also have their guide, which is a countdown guide um, to how you deal with mastitis in New Zealand. They also have smart Sam's by dairy, New Zealand um, and reaching out, talking to your herd testing companies, speaking to your vets, speaking to us, you know, what you want to do is incre- like improve your biosecurity and best practice to minimize that spread. Cause what you want to ultimately do is minimise the impact whilst you make decisions on how you actually remove it from the farm.
0: Yeah, that's really, really good advice, uh, Rhys. Uh, what do you think? You know, what What can farmers do to learn more? Are there any sort of call to actions that you would have for a farmer around around this topic?
2: Well, if they're, they're interested, if staffs are you know of interest to them, or even if it's not, uh, they they can visit our website, staffgold.com. And they can follow us on Facebook uh, for, for news and information. And I just recommend speaking with your local herd tester about how you can have your herd screened using this test. And, and obviously, uh, as Alison mentioned, recommend uh, the using the mastitis management resources, uh, such as those developed by Dairy Australia and Dairy NZ.
0: That's really good advice. And uh, yeah, if they're interested or if they're not, I'm sure most farmers would be interested in making an extra 100K out of their cows um, by just visiting your website. I think it's really <laughs> good advice. <laughs> so, um, hey, thanks very much for coming and talking to us today. You've offered uh, you know, the High Performance Herd community and and, and listeners uh, lots of useful insights and heaps of helpful information on how to manage this problem.
2: Pleasure. Thanks, Thanks Andrew. Andrew. Cool. Cheers.
0: Thanks for listening to the High Performance Herd podcast. Thanks to the sponsors, Fonterra, IDEX, Corio Diagnostics, Taz the Tasmanian Dairy Trust, Zoetis, NHIA, DataMars. Feel free to subscribe and review the podcast share it with your friends, the more the merrier. Jump on Facebook, search the High Performance Herd Project and you're very welcome to join the High Performance Herd private Facebook group. If you want to see a video of this podcast, jump on YouTube or www.highperformanceherd.com where you'll see a link to these sponsors for more information and more information on the High Performance Herd Project which is a real-life dairy farm Spring block carving right here at Tassie. Thanks very much and we'll see you next week.